Hey, Top Fans, it's Bill from Top Fan Rivalry with another Top Fan Rivalry Clubhouse. And we're going to do something a little different uh, this time. Typically, we have people come on and they tell us kind of where they're from and what team they're from. But tonight, we're going to have a true battle. Tonight's the battle for Chicago. So we've got some uh, uh, Cubs fans on. we got a White Sox fan on. And who knows where it's going to take us. We're first going to start with my good friend, Rob. And Rob, tell me who your team is and, and why. So as you can, as you can see, I'm a, I'm a diehard White Sox fan. Um, no, Cubs fan. So Cubs fan, I've been a Cubs fan since 1984 when I was a nine-year-old boy growing up in the, in the potato fields of Rexburg, Idaho. And, you know, it's, it's one of those situations where you're, you're, um, you're in the middle of nowhere, basically. And the only channels you get are Chicago's WGN, which is kind of weird being way out in Idaho, but you get WGN and TBS. And so that's how, that's how I became a, a diehard Cubs fan is one summer, 1984, I started watching the Cubs play baseball and that turned into Sandlot baseball um, in my backyard with a bunch of neighborhood friends where we all ended, ended up becoming Cubs fans and Braves fans. Um, and it was always split between the two. So it would always be the Cubs and the Braves fighting each other. But it's been an interesting uh, journey. Uh, the Cubs since 1984 has been, you know, a, a huge, huge part of my life. If you've ever seen the movie Fever Pitch, I warned my wife that one's all about the, the Red Sox, right? Jimmy Fallon, he's a big, big Red Sox fan. If um, I, I told my wife before we got married that I am that guy. Obviously, it was before that situation, but I was a diehard. It was a big part of me. And she's going to have to live with it. And it's going to be kind of weird and crazy, but that's, that's me. That's a big part of who I am, the Chicago Cubs and so. It's been a fun and in interesting ride, and and uh, you know, I just I love my Cubbies. It's go Cubs, go every day in my go CBA, go. Let's get this thing going so we can have baseball. That's right. There you go, Dave. Uh, Dave Schaefer is a contributor to Top Fan. Rob has also contributed, written articles and written materials, but Dave's a contributor. So, Dave, tell us. Yeah, back to uh, the first. Uh, 40 years I lived in Chicago before I moved to Arizona. Um, you know, grew up with the White Sox. All my friends were White Sox fans, grew up on the South side. Um, you know, gosh, date myself, but my favorite player back then was Ed Herman and Bill Melton. And um, the Go-Go Sox from 77 got me really going. Um, Richie Zisk, Oscar Gamble, that whole group. Um, I actually was at the game after they clinched in 83. I had... I, I gambled on which day to buy the tickets and I got the day after. So we were there for that big party. Um, just a uh, big White Sox fan all the time. Uh, disclaimer, my dad is a Cub fan and uh, has been all his life. I give him a lot of credit because he's stuck with his team through a lot of bad times. But I also tell people that he grew up way too close to the power lines. So that's, <laughs> that's why. Perfect. All right, Pete. What about you? Tell us about you. Yeah, so I was uh, born and raised um, 
right around the Chicagoland area. I lived in Chicago. I lived on the corner of uh, Sheffield and Addison for about four years. That's where I get the name Sheffield Shuffler. Uh, I was, uh, you know, kind of known for hanging around late after the bars and I'd be shuffling home on Sheffield. So I am the Sheffield Shuffler for that. Um, just been, you know, influenced by my father ever since I was a kid. I've uh, been watching baseball and playing baseball my whole life. So uh, yeah, just a Cubs lifer and uh, just love it. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, I, uh, I, for those of you listening to this, Pete, um, was interviewed by Jamie Wagner and um, we titled the, the one uh, article with him um, Sheffield Shuffler. And if you haven't listened to it, by all means, go ahead. He, he almost wants you to be a Cubs fan. And Dave, I know, I know, but he almost makes you a Cubs fan by some of the stuff he says. So boys, this is the battle for Chicago. So tell me, I mean, what, why, why your team? I'll, I'll tell, I'll start off. What the heck? I'm already outnumbered. So yeah. Ladies uh, first. Yeah. Good. Um, <laughs> you know, WGN is probably the one thing the Tribune got right when they own the Cubs because they really didn't care about the product on the field, but they did generate a lot of interest around the country. That's for sure. Um, the, the big thing, you know, and I'll admit it, the Sox fans are jealous because the Cubs are always getting all the attention because the Chicago Tribune gave them all the publicity for decades. So we were always fighting from behind. Yet you guys had a premier player for, uh, for several years in Carlton Fisk and a number of guys um, that were premier players and yet. Yeah, always- I mean, Sox fans want to see it on the field. They're not going to go just down to the field for the hell of it and watch a shitty team. So, you know, I always say that, um, you know, Wrigley Field is a bar with a baseball field in the middle. <laughs> Old Wrigley Field. Let's, let's make sure we, we throw that in there. You know, I, I was always, uh, I was, I, I almost felt sorry for White Sox fans when they won the world series in 2005 and the only thing that talk radio and, and uh, newspapers around not only Chicago, but around the country was when is it the Cubs turn? And I, I seriously almost felt bad for the, the white Sox, their players, their organization, because it was an excellent season. Um, but it was still all about the Cubs. So it's like, when you, yeah. when you, had that great of a year and you know 2005 I don't we didn't we didn't even make the playoffs that year um but they're still talking about the Cubs over the White Sox that's gotta hurt well and and that's when you know the Cubs and the Red Sox and the White Sox were all in a race to see who could who could last the longest without winning so um that was kind of the race everyone was following yeah yeah. Well, Dave, you said, you know, Sox fans don't show up because they don't want to see a crappy product on the field. You can't really say that Cubs fans aren't fans that what well, you said it's a bar with a baseball field around it because Wrigley Field is selling out every single game. So you can't have it both ways and say, you know, Cubs fans stink, blah, 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 because they're selling out every game. They're filling up the stadium. And then you go to Sox games and it's empty and there's nobody there at a lot of the games. So it's either what are, are Sox good fans? Are they bad fans? What is it? No, they're good fans. They're just they're they're not going to show up to games and 
and pay a lot of money to watch a, a team lose 70 or, or 80 or 90 games a year. Just doesn't happen. And, you know, Wrigley Field, that whole area is a destination for better or worse. So people go there for a lot of different reasons. But, um, you know, you won't catch me up there. I know that. The, for the bar, not even for the on the field bar. Uh, I was there. Gosh, I was there. I was in a rooftop when the whole McGuire Sosa thing was going on. And my only goal was to watch Mark McGuire hit one on the street. And he did. So that was fun. And uh, had tickets one time to a Pirates game and had extra tickets. And I went into the the line that people buying tickets and tried to give them away. And they acted, they act, they looked at me like I was trying to make them join a, a cult or something. So. <laughs> yeah. Well, I, that Wrigley, that Wrigley field is a lot different than Wrigley world as it is now. When I lived down there and the years that you said that you were there during the Sosa McGuire race, that that's when it was Wrigleyville, in my opinion, that's when it was a neighborhood and it had the, the dingy bars and that neighborhood feel as opposed to what it is today. It's a, uh, a corporate conglomerate is what I call it Wrigley world. You got bowling alleys, you got a uh, billion dollar hotel. So it's very um, different as what it was. And I don't like it so much. I did like that neighborhood feel. So as far as that's concerned, I'm not so much big. It's beautiful. Like you said, it's a destination now. So when people come to Chicago, they want to go to Wrigley field. They got that big uh, Gallagher way. So they have the big, uh, you know, TV out there and it's a big attraction. It's a monstrosity. But to, to my point, I liked it back when it was Wrigleyville as opposed to Wrigley world. Oh, absolutely. I haven't been up there, so I don't know. I've heard about it. The part, you know, like that would upset me if I was a Cub fan is that you've got ownership generating revenue from all these different sources. And then they go and trade away all of your favorite players. And, and now you're looking at another ugly rebuild. Well, this will be the true test for Cubs fans if they're going to equate to to White Sox fans. Um, this year, obviously, it's going to it's going to depend on what's going to happen in the offseason when when the owners and the players, you know, kind of can figure this out and get back to playing baseball. But let's say what happens if if the Cubs don't sign any marquee players, are we still going to fill up the sand the stands? Um, it was interesting to see last year as I continued to watch watch the games, there were a lot more empty seats, which was kind of surprising because Cubs fans, typically, it doesn't really matter who you put out there on the field. You're out there to have a good time regardless, and you are going to have a good time. Win or lose, that was kind of our motto as the lovable losers. We just, we just fell in line, and we just knew that, you know, that's Wrigley Field was – a place of destination like we've talked about, but it was a place to go and have fun. And if we lost, you still had fun. Yeah. I mean, in those years, in those years, the Tribune owned them and their World Series was every three months when they issued their earnings report. And they made a ton of money off that team and putting a mediocre product on the field and, and continually just putting some big home run hitter in the outfield to keep the, the drunks and the bleachers happy but never investing in pitching. And, you know, that was just the way they ran that team and it all changed when they sold. But like I said, I think the one thing they did right is, uh, is, is put the games on GN and put them all over the country for free. 
Well, Dave, you said it, it changed, but I, I really don't even think it changed that much because back to what you said, um, you got a ownership now who has bought up a lot of those properties around the stadium, right? And then the pandemic hits and, oh no, I'm not getting any more dollars. So what do I do? I don't care about the product on the field because I'm trying to get revenue from everything else I invested around the stadium. And then the product on the field lacks uh, talent. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's, it's garbage. I mean, I know I'm, I know how it works. The cash flows down, but you know, you, you got to have some loyalty to your fan base. I mean, owning a sports team is not about ROI all the time. It's about, you know, th- these guys buy teams as, is kind of a hobby as a toy sometimes. And um, I don't know. I, I, I know that if, if the White Sox had gotten rid of Paul Canerco in his prime to do a rebuild, I would have been livid. See, and that, that's the tough thing too, right? Is and, and the point that I think we're all talking about here is, and Dave, you just nailed it, right? ROI isn't always as important as, you got to think of the fan base, right? If if somebody's going to go, I know nothing about the Cubs or the White Sox. I, I've been outside of both stadiums. I haven't been to either field uh, for a game, but I can tell you in the 90s when the Dodgers were terrible in the early 2000s, it was tough to watch. And I didn't want to go to Dodger Stadium because the ticket price was expensive. It's a it's an hour and a half drive. I mean, there's only like two ways to get on and off that mountain or that hill. So why go? Why not just watch it on TV? And so, I mean, that's I mean, tribute to the Cubs fans that still go. But to Dave's point, White Sox fans, I think are I, I think you're going to see like the Dodger fans like we vote with our feet. You're terrible. We're going to vote with your feet. Well, and, and oh. attendance was great, like in 04 to like 08. But then, mm-hmm. you know, the chances of winning something went away and the, the attendance went away. The attendance is coming back now, but COVID blew that up. So um, I expect they'll have a pretty good year this year and next year and they'll draw. But, you know, um, U.S. Cellular is not a destination. And it's a it's a decent, I mean, let's let's be honest. It's a decent place to watch a game but nobody's going to put it in their top 10 of places they have to see in baseball. Well, it's on the South side too. There's nothing wrong with it, but it's nothing special. It's, it, it is on the South side. <laughs> you know, you know, honestly, it, but it's hard for me to, to criticize an ownership who brought so much joy to Cubs fans since, you know, since the rebuild really, but, you know, really, when we started winning more games, 2015, you know, we were four games away from the World Series for the first time since, um, uh, what, 2003. And, and I, often, I often think, well, with all of this rebuild uh, or, or this uh, renovation at, at Wrigley Field, like that, that took a lot of money. From what I understand, they were millions and millions of dollars over budget. So that had to come from somewhere. There's only so much resources and taxes that came from the city. So where did that other, I mean, they're, they're billionaires. So it's easy to say that, Hey, you know, you can, you can pay a little bit more money to get, keep these players in the seat or here for the fan base. But I look at that and then look at the trade-off of Wrigley field. There was talk. I remember talk before before we started getting really good 
there in the mid uh, 2000s um, that Wrigley Field would be um, demolished and rebuilt. Like, can you imagine if that would have happened? There's another, there's another cathedral of baseball that would have been gone with the wind had it not been for the Ricketts family who, who by and large, they were Cubs fans. You know, Tom Ricketts used to go to games there at Wrigley Field. I think that's where he met his wife there in the bleachers um, as a college student. And so it's hard for me to criticize the Ricketts family for everything that they've done to, for Chicago Cubs, the, the Chicago Cubs up to this point. But it is disheartening to see all of your big name players, guys who, you know, the big three, um, no one would have ever thought that that would have happened when it happened last year. It was, it was one of the darkest days in, in Cubs history for a lot of Cubs fans. Rob, I've never felt, and I'm, you know, just as I'm a 33 year old guy. Okay. I've never felt something. It just, when, when I saw Anthony Rizzo's no longer a cub and Chris Bryant got, you know, is traded to it. It felt weird. And like, not like I was sad. I was legitly sad. And I'm not one guy that's like, Oh, I love these players. I'm like, whatever. It's their job, whatever. But that was the first time where I felt like, wow, this is over. It hurt like almost like a breakup, you know? And I don't get like that. I'm not like overly on these players, these millionaires, and they're always younger than me. So I'm not like fawning over them, but that was the one where it was just like, oh man, it hurts. But like you said, Rob, you read this book, The Cub Way. There is a small window for opportunity to win. So you have to know that that's going to be a part of it. And I give all the credit to Theo mostly. I, I really, Ricketts, whatever, that's fine. But Theo is a mastermind behind all this stuff. He was behind the pillars of getting those four players in place and then building around them. And um, you have that small window. And we had it, like you said, from that 14, 15, when it got real competitive all the way to 18, 19. And that was a window. Now you have to rebuild. So if you can understand that and appreciate that, that's okay. I'm just not expecting anything anytime soon. Yeah. So, so to that point though, boys, and, and Peter, you said that perfect, right? Cause I, I remember the same thing for me. I remember Mike Piazza. The day that I heard Mike Piazza got traded, the Dodgers win a game. And next thing you know, the headlines aren't the Dodgers won. It's Piazza gets traded to the Marlins. And he was there for about 27 minutes. And then he got traded to the Mets. Um, I remember that feeling. So I understand what Pete, Rob, what is it? Um, what does it tell you that these three guys aren't even talking about coming back to the Cubs? Or at least the Cubs aren't negotiating with them. Right. And so, um, you know, a lot of teams have been thrown around for all three of those guys that left, but none of them are, are talking about coming back to the club. Well, and and I just think, or, too, because I, I brought up the topic, I mean, and I, I mentioned it before on, in other, in other uh, podcasts, but they didn't need to keep all three or all four. But I think you, you, you keep one of the guys that's productive and, you know, let your fans have their have their, their guy in uniform all the time and some consistency, you know, you, this pendulum swings both ways. And, you know, we went from no free agency years ago and guys stayed with their teams and tons of loyalty to full free agency where nobody stays with their teams. And you don't even know who the heck you're rooting for from, from year to year. And I think it was, uh, was it David Letterman that made the joke about, we're just, we're just rooting for laundry because the people that wear the jerseys keep interchanging. So there's got to be a happy medium where 
you have a Joey Votto that you keep and you, you, you keep them and you, you build, try to build around them. They haven't been very good at that, but Freddie Freeman, you keep them, you build around them with the lean years, you stick with them. You know, we stuck with Canerco forever. Uh, we finally got a payoff with that, but you know, he retired a, a, a White Sox. So, and there's other examples. I just think it's got to come back to the middle somewhere and you've got to have some loyalty to somebody and, you know, make that investment for your fans. Well, I know that, you know, there were, there were some contract extensions offered um, to those guys. I apparently it wasn't enough to keep them, you know, to, to put the, the pen to the paper. Um, I think they wanted to test free agency. I think they wanted to see what opportunities, unless they got the right contract from the Cubs, right? If they got the right contract, all three of them would have loved to have been in Chicago all their, all their career. Javi Baez, he talks about it all the time. He, he thought he was going to be a Cub his whole career. Um, that didn't happen, unfortunately. Part, part of that's a PR move, too, so that they can make that statement that they tried. But, right. You know, if somebody's worth $100 million and you offer them 30 or 40 you're not really trying. Yeah, yeah and, and I don't know what the numbers looked like, but – you know, I, I, I will say I was surprised that not one of them. I, I thought maybe maybe after the season. So, of course, we don't know that yet because of the lockout and everything. But I, I wouldn't be surprised if, if uh, maybe KB comes back. I don't think Rizzo comes back. I think Frank the Tank is, you know, he's going to be something pretty special. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if – if uh, they made an offer to KB and K- KB accepted it, and and we did we did just that. Like if we were able to bring back one of those players, that would do uh, a, make a world of difference for Cubs fans. I feel. Well, and I, I think two of the Red Wings back in the day, and I I make this comparison with the Blackhawks. You know, Steve Eiserman won a Stanley Cup in his prime when he was a young buck, and then they kept him the entire time built another entire team around him. He was a third or fourth line center and they won another cup. And the loyalty to Steve Eiserman up there was something to be said. I mean, that was remarkable. And um, to me, that's, that's the art stick and that's how you keep a fan base happy. Yeah. What do you think, Pete? I, th- I think those, those uh, bridges are already burnt. I think uh, it's like a breakup and uh, maybe you'll get a text, you know, and it's like, Hey, should we get back together? When in reality, you know, it's, it's already over there. Are, you think KB's value is down now? No way. It's way more. There's going to, he's going to be worth more money. Rizzo was productive in New York. He's going to go somewhere else. So I don't see them coming back. It's a nice thing to think about, to have them come home, have a reunion, you know, like a romantic, Oh, they're back. That would be so great. I just don't see it happening. Um, and then just, I just don't feel bad for billionaires when they cry poor. I don't feel bad. And there's only a couple guys that come across in your organization where it's make them a cub for life, make them a white sock for life. Only a few. It's not, you know, it's like, Oh, well, we, we can't sign all four guys. Nobody's saying that, but Anthony Rizzo, everyone wants to see a C on his chest, make him a cub for life. And I think those are one of the moves that if you, you loved your fan base or you wanted to, you know, keep people around or, have some kind of morsel of respect or whatever you would, you know, make that, even if it was a little bit too much, you make that happen because of what it means to, to your team and to your fan base. 
And the leadership too. How about the leadership as well? The veteran like that in your clubhouse, especially if you're going to, you're going to clean house and you're going to bring in these new young players. Wouldn't you have a nice veteran who's, who's been through all this stuff to kind of walk the new guys through and say, Hey, this is how we do it. This is how, you know, big leaguers uh, operate. This is how we get to the field on time instead of having everybody. Oh, we're all, you know, a second year here. What's going on. It'd be nice to have that. So. Yeah. Honestly, I think, Honestly, I think it started a couple of years prior to that when they, they didn't re-sign Joe Madden. Joe Madden, five years in Chicago, that dude will never have to buy anything when he comes back to visit. I, you know, I've been watching, like I said, since 1984. I have loved the Cubs, and I've followed, followed them. I've followed their managers, everybody. That guy right there, he knew how to get the players. He knew how to make them – make them, uh, you know, believe in themselves. And like, I just, he knew how to have fun. He just, he, he was the whole, he, he was everything for Chicago. And I will never, ever look at another manager. I love, I love Dave Ross. I love Rossi. Rossi's a great, I think he's going to be a great manager, but man, when you look at, at the shoes that he's trying to fill, I think it started right there. I think if uh, Madden, if they would have re-signed Madden, maybe some of these other players would have taken less because everybody wants to play for that guy. The epitome of a player's coach. And, man, I, I can't say enough about that guy. I love him to death. He's. I had – oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say something. I had a question for Dave. Dave, was there ever any point when the Cubs were um, making their run 15, 16, like before the World Series, was there any time that you were happy for them? I was happy for my dad. You were happy for your dad. Okay. I and I think for them. I you were not happy for them. I'm going to pull that out. So tell you guys, tell me if you think this is right, because I think White Sox fans hate the Cubs and Cubs fans and Cubs fans don't even think that much about the White Sox or the White Sox fans. Cause right now I'm happy for the White Sox. I have no ill will for the team, the Chicago White Sox. I am happy to see young players come up that are exciting to watch. Like I can appreciate that. I don't think I've met a Sox fan who could ever appreciate good baseball on the North side of Chicago. I think that's probably true. I, and I, I, I mean, the, the rule is, you know, if you're from Chicago and you say you like both teams, you're a liar. Right. You know, and um, no, I mean, I, I treat the Cubs like I would treat the Tigers or the Twins. Um, you know, the more losses they pile up, the better for me. Which honestly is kind of interesting because they come from different leagues, right? So, so like growing up in Chicago, you would think, I could be a White Sox fan. They could be my my American League team. I could be a Cubs fan. They could be my National League team. I'm always rooting for somebody from either league. Um, and then you would have to make the decision. Okay, where do my loyalties lie? I met up in the in the Fall Classic, but um, maybe uh, that's there. Growing up there, it's it's not that way. It was ingrained. It's like you're one or the other, and and there's just no way around it. My dad, you know. Grew up with Ernie Banks and Willie um, and uh, Ron Sano, so those you know Fergie Jenkins, so that was his his squad, and he has been loyal his entire life. They used he grew up on the South Side, 
he would jump on, he'd skip school and jump on the L because the Cubs played during the day and he could go and sneak into Wrigley Field during the day. So that's why he became a Cub fan, not because of living on the South side. It was just something they could do during the day before there were lights. But uh, nice little anecdote. I got, uh, I was being out here in Arizona. I was able to have him meet Fergie um, a couple years ago. So that was cool. I'm glad Fergie's getting the statue. The, uh, every time a Sox fan, I, you know, again, I've got no skin in the game, but every time a Sox fan mentioned Paul Canerco, that is a little bit of a dagger because where did he come from? He was, he was supposed to be our guy. Dodgers. Yeah, he was supposed to be our guy in L.A. to replace Eric Karos, and we got rid of him for next to nothing. So that one was, was tough. Then. He wasn't a very good catcher. <laughs> that well. All right, boys. So we're going to go around the horn. We're going to take 30 seconds. Just um, just give me your kind of your final thoughts on your team and why maybe um, you just think this is in the Battle of Chicago. This is why the team uh, we will start with you, Dave, and then we'll go over to you, Pete or Peter, and then we'll go over to you, uh, Rob. But um, just give me 30 seconds as we're wrapping up here. Well, I mean, let's face it, neither team has really lit it up over the years. Um, they've both had uh, some good days and a lot more bad days. But, uh, I mean, I have to be happy with where we sit right now, and we're going to be competitive. Um, I'm hoping that uh, the Tigers start getting better so that there's some competition in the division. And, you know, we're not playing meaningless games in August again. But, um, you know... Like I said, it, you grow up in Chicago and it's, it's, it's one or the other. And um, there's no way I would ever be a, a fan of both teams. It just can't happen. But I will root for my dad and, and the loyal fans that stick with their team. You know, back in like 84 and even 89, there were a lot of bandwagon fans that decided, hey, you know what? It's a good day to be a Cub fan. And they went to the store and bought a hat and didn't know a damn thing about baseball. And that kind of stuff's irritating. So... I, my hats off to the folks that stick with their team and and uh, are loyal when it's when it's not good, so that they can enjoy it when it is good. What about you, Pete? Yeah, I think just Chicago's just always been a Cubs town. Period. It's the big brother. They get all the action. They got the nationally televised WGN from back in the day. Now they have their own marquee network. So I understand why Sox fans are upset because they feel like the little brother that doesn't get enough attention. And we got the neighborhood. We got the bars, the restaurants, everything around the stadium that makes it so fun. That's why it draws 40,000 people every single game, April through October. Um, and that's why it's just, it's fun to be a Cubs fan. we got through a lot of losing years together. So when we had that sweet moment in 2016, it made it, uh, a lot of things worth it. Um, I have no ill will towards the White Sox. Uh, their fan base, I, I know a lot of White Sox fans that I do not like for a lot of reasons, but the team, the Chicago White Sox, I'm happy for them. It's exciting to see a young uh, team that's coming up that's going to make a lot of noise in their division who follow the same kind of rebuild and you know uh, drafting young players. So I'm happy for them. It's their time. That's exciting. And um, that's my story. Great. What about you, Rob? Do you by the way, Rob, do you do anything special on what is it, November 2nd or 3rd or whatever? Do you, 
I mean, yes, November 2nd of every year, my, my boys and I, we replay game seven of the, the greatest game ever played one Wednesday in Cleveland. We replay that. We have Chicago dogs, Chicago pizza, order pizza in from Chicago. And we go up and we have a joy watching that. As soon as they win, that ball from uh, from KB to Rizzo is thrown over to them. We run outside and we pop the Martinelli's. <laughs> and we start spraying each other down in, in the frigid weather outside of my house here in Utah. You know, I kind of wish that the, the Cubs would have won in July. <laughs> so that when we go outside, it's not so blazing cold, but. I bet your neighbors love that. Yeah, the the neighbors love that. And it's always usually late because that game went on for so long. Yeah. Go ahead, Dave. I was going to say, my son was born in 2005. And um, I took that August off. He was born at the end of July. I took August off to take care of him with my wife and watched every game um, on the stretch run there for the White Sox. He watched him too, but he's too little to remember. But the best moment ever was when Paul Konerko hit the grand slam in the World Series. And my son was sleeping in his crib in the other room. And I, I made a dead sprint right out the front door of my house so I could yell. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. To me, it's all about tradition and win or lose. I mean, there's a reason why Cubs fans have always stuck with Cubs with, with the Cubs because we're loyal. We're loyal to a team that didn't give us a whole lot in the 80s, in the 90s, and even up until 2015. There wasn't a whole lot to celebrate. But tradition and being loyal to your team, that was a huge part of being a Cubs fan. And honestly, I think Derek Jeter, or, or uh, Joe DiMaggio, he always said, I thank the good Lord for making me a Yankee. Like, I thank the good Lord for making me a Cubs fan because it has truly been a big part of who me, my boys, my brothers, who all of us are. And it's been it's been pretty special. Rob, I just want to add that real quick. It was a generational type of celebration. I watched that game with my nanny, who was 90 something years old, my father, who made me a Cubs fan, me and my brothers. There's three generations of Cubs fans who have never seen this done before. And when it was done, it was really special because it doesn't happen every year. So it was just that's what I go back to is a generational type of excitement where, you know, 90 year olds, 50 year olds, 30 year olds, teenagers can all be excited about something. Exactly, Peter. That 2016 will, you will never, ever be able to replay that again in our lifetimes, no matter how many more Cup uh, World Series wins that we have. You will never experience the same thing that we experienced all together than 2016. That happened. Yeah. You'll never take it away from us. I don't think we'll ever experience it again either, Rob. <laughs> <laughs> and if it wasn't, if it wasn't for a potential rain delay, you may not have yeah. experienced it because you, you have to admit the Indians back then they were the Indians nowadays, not so much, but the Indians had the momentum that game. 100%. 100%. Yeah. And so, well, talk again, it's, it's, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I was just going to say once again, it's showing who was on our side. Ah, the baseball gods. Yes. There you go. Well, top fans. This has been amazing. Um, as you're listening to this podcast, uh, these guys are great. Uh, one of the things that I love about baseball 
is that it's a family sport. You heard Dave talk about his son. You heard Rob talk about his family. You heard Peter talk about his family and generations. Baseball is a family thing. And though we're talking about, you know, which team, uh, either, you know, north side or south side, we had fun talking about it. And so this is amazing. So I want to thank Dave for being on um, and Rob for being on and Peter for being on. <clears throat> if you haven't had a chance on uh, Instagram, go to Sheffield Shuffler uh, and you'll see Peter. He puts a bunch of videos up there. Um, a lot of good stuff, a lot of good uh, uh, sports stuff. So check him out um, on there. And boys, let's do this again. Maybe uh, maybe we'll get back together and we'll talk about this at the All-Star break if we have one here in 2022. Yeah, when this lockout ends and when these people come to their senses. Exactly. Or maybe we can do something all together and get behind something like Chicago food. Yes. There we go. (laughs) Something we can all agree on. I I will tell you right now that uh, Dave got me hooked on Portillo's. He told me that there's a Portillo's that's right by my office. And he told me, you know, you got to check this place out. And I'm hooked. I took my wife there and the chocolate cake shake. Forget about it. Right. I mean, that's the place. But Dave will tell you, I'm sure that is not the best hot dog you'll get in Chicago. That is going to be the more uh, touristy place that we would send tourists. But Dave, I'm sure he knows on 35th and Madison or somewhere where he has the best hot dogs. No, that's exactly right. It's same thing with pizza. Yeah. Those places are great to get your fix when you're not there. But, you know, the locals don't really go there. Well, Pete, to, to your point, Pete, right? Let's talk. Uh, I mean, when you're in Philly, everybody wants to go to either what Joe's or Gino and Pat's right. uh, Yeah. Pat's or Gino's. Correct. And that's the, uh, yeah, the tourist, you like, Oh, let's all go Gino's Pat's. But all the other ones say, no, it's actually the Alessandro's. That's about 45 minutes away. It's a different one. So small family restaurants that where you get the good stuff. Yeah, exactly. Well, top fans, it's been great doing this. Um, We appreciate you. We appreciate your comments. We appreciate your likes. Um, enjoy this we'll have these guys on again as uh as things uh get expanded and uh fellas i just appreciate you taking time with me tonight this has been fun thanks Thanks, bill you're welcome have a good night